Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. I'm Pete. I'm Jerry. We're so glad you're here today. Our theme is the kind of fighting every church needs. The kind of fighting every church needs. What a great title. And uh, if any day and age uh, the church needs it, it is today. And so there's lots of dirty fighting that goes on in churches and in families and in neighborhoods and on teams. Workplaces. Uh, workplaces. So it's inside the church as well as outside the church. And uh, Jerry, why don't we just list some of the dirty fighting that goes on? Because we have a, a dirty fighting list in the workbook. I started making a list beyond what's even there in the workbook. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of dirty fighting that goes on inside and outside the church that we all do. Things like lying, mm. passive aggressive behavior, sarcasm. I know that one was threatening, threatening, so, yelling, hitting in some cases, silent treatment. Yeah, placating, giving in mm. when one doesn't really want to give in, mm. uh, using words like always or you never, mm. hitting, mm. S- denying, denying, stonewalling, mm. avoiding. Mm. Uh, what else? We, did we mention silent treatment? Yeah, I did. Contempt. The list goes on. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of the exercises we have people do in the relationships course is go back on what their family of origin did and what they've done. I what just they, thought, what I thought the modern day one. What's that? They didn't make ghosting. Ghosting. That's good. That's very good. Mm-hmm. Good. And so, and of course we have in the midst, at least here in the United States, I know this applies to many other places around the world, uh, a lot of political a division going on inside of our churches and lots of issues where churches, people are divided in churches and don't know how to have a, a healthy renegotiation or clean fight over these kinds of things. So this skill is super important. Why didn't we make this skill number one? Why didn't we, Jerry? No, we didn't because this skill, which is the finale mm. uh, of the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course, is because it does build on the other ones. Like Right. And people often... Um, have asked us, can't we just start with this? Because justifiably so, you know, if you're in tension or conflict in a relationship, then, you know, you, you want to do whatever you want to, you want to get to it. Yeah. How do I fix this? And pastors ask us that all the time. Mm. Just give me that one skill. The other ones, I don't really need the whole course. Just let's jump to clean fighting. Right. But here's the thing. This skill builds on the seven that went before it. So in other words, uh, you have to, you know, be able to check out assumptions, stop mind reading, clarify expectations. You have to be able to know what's going on inside of you. So explore the iceberg and the ladder of integrity. Clarify your values, et cetera. Clarify, so you'll, they'll see right. that in a minute. So okay. you can still benefit from today. If you haven't heard the other podcasts or haven't done the rest of the course, you're going to get a lot out of today about the kind of fighting you need to learn and every church needs. Uh, but hopefully again, we're praying and hoping as we conclude this series around the emotionally healthy relationships uh, material that you're going to be so motivated that you're going to go and get that course and you're going to do it with some, you know, your team and do it with your church and do it with your family. And you'll integrate these skills into your everyday life, ministry, community, church, right. and it's life changing. So right. Jerry, let's right. do the same flow as we've done with the other podcasts. Let's talk about our story and then let's re- talk about the skill briefly. We'll model it. And then we'll make some leadership, critical leadership applications of how this works out as leaders okay, okay in communities and churches. Mm-hmm. So let's begin with our first 17 years as Christians, mm-hmm. uh, how we dealt with the issue of conflicts, mm-hmm. uh, both you know, personally, maritally, family, friends, 
and of right. course, leadership. Right. I, well, I had a hybrid style, which I learned in my family growing up. Uh, and I think I might've mentioned this before, but my father's side of the family did silent treatment and cutoffs. My mother's side of the family did yelling um, or or leaking, you know, when you're mad at somebody, you're passive aggressive, whatever. So I came into Christianity. I mean, in terms of my following, seriously following of Christ um, and marriage, pretty much doing this. I had a hybrid. Mm -hmm. So if I was upset with Pete, I would be passive aggressive, slamming. You know, I might show you I was mad. I'd be shut that door a little harder, or that cabin a little harder or sarcasm, or silent treatment. It's funny. We were leaders for many years in the church. We first got married, and I remember one of our first conflicts. I don't know if you remember this. I'm running after you, trying to resolve it, and you just closed the door and hid behind the door and didn't want to talk to me. And I was like, well, what happened? And again, we're leaders in the church at this point. But we have no ability to resolve differences I, between us. I, I don't remember it, but I, I'm sure it happened. And But if I was upset with somebody at church, if I had conflicted feelings towards somebody at church, then I would avoid them. Yeah, and so uh, the way I dealt with conflict, my first 17 years as a Christian, again, came out of my family of origin because I'd never gotten discipled in how to do conflict or negotiate differences. And so in my family, my mother was a yeller screamer and um, always angry and in conflict with everybody. And my father was a passive. He was very passive, very uh, appeasing my mom, making her happy. That was the mode. Now, he would get to a point he'd explode and then that was it. But I was I took off my I, I was around so much conflict and anger growing up that I just I avoided it at all costs, and I would just take the blame because I wanted peace. I wanted it to be a false peace, but I wanted it to be everyone happy. And so, yeah, uh, so I was just like, make, I was a perfect pastor. I took the blame for everything, and my goal was to make everybody happy, and let's not have too much tension here going on. Yeah, and we didn't have this as an official um, way of dirty fighting, but it's really sweeping. I, the, I, the vast majority of people... Probably sweep. sweep it under the rug, as we, we call it. Christian nice. We were, we, even though, yeah, we were Christian nice. and uh, Not just, truthful, but Christian nice. Absolutely. And so, again, our, our church reflected that in the early years. Uh, so there was lots of conflicts that never got resolved, which I think is probably the dominant uh, way churches function. There's consistent, regular conflict that's constantly getting recycled, never really gets resolved. That's why the kind of fighting we're talking about today, every church desperately needs. So, honey, what was the turning point for us when we actually began to make the turn? We got on this journey of EH discipleship, but let's just talk about the early, even before we developed the formal skill we're going to talk about today, how we began to make the shift. It was hard. We It was really hard for us in the beginning to to do conflict between us, but we began to make some headway and then began you mean after to, le- learning incarnational listening. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. as we got this emotionally healthy discipleship journey and then beginning to address differences and conflicts in our community that we were leading at New Life oh. Fellowship Church. That was like gigantic, mm-hmm. not lying anymore, being honest, being thoughtful about conversation. So I'll go first. You can you can think about it. I know for me, um, <clears throat> I was so avoidant of conflict and always taking the blame. It was it was a radical shift 
to begin to value, number one, honesty, and to begin to think through what was I feeling, what, what value was being violated, and then actually approaching people with whom I had differences. My body would go into all these convulsions because I'd never done it before. It was I was violating my family of origin. I was going against my genogram. I was going against grandpa in my bones, hundreds of years of history. In the beginning, it was so hard. I would have to journal. I would write out what I was going to say because I would freeze in the moment wow. of seeing a person upset <laughs> or feeling I would feel so bad for them that I didn't want them to feel bad that I would start, oh, it's okay, it's fine. And I would actually fix them and never resolve the problem initially. Mm -hmm. So I, I took some, it was really challenging, but I began to make progress and I began to see fruit in our leadership teams and our, our church. And it was unbelievable. But I, my initial steps into it in the early couple of years, uh, it, I would have bodily reactions about going into conflict. And then it became like, oh, I began to get some revelation, which we'll talk about later in leadership applications. I, oh, this is this is core to leadership. This mm. is what it means to mentor people. This mm. is what it means to be a pastor. Mm. Pastoring and conflicts didn't go together. It's what it means to be a human being. Mm. You cannot, just by nature of being human, mm. there must be conflict. There, wow. there must, because no two human beings are alike. Wow. And so we're going to have differences are inherent wow. to being human. And so in reality, we call it a clean fight, but it's really not a fight. Mm. It's a skill to help you navigate your differences. Mm. And that's what we call, we call when we can't navigate differences, we go, we're in conflict. But uh, so that's what this tool is really about navigating differences, which once I learned that, oh, conflict is, as a is inherent to being human, and that's so. When a conflict comes up, it's not a, a thing to be afraid of, to feel yes. threatened by. Something is rising in me that needs to be declared because we're different. Yeah. And so, how do we navigate our differences in a respectful way? And that's why, again, the previous skills are necessary to even get to this point. What's important for you to know before we go any further here is that we didn't just like turn a key and we were great at doing conflict. We grew in the early couple of years where this became second nature to us. And we began to, I mean, I can, I can enter into differences or negotiations with people. I had two recently with a board member and another person in leadership. My body, my body does not have convulsions any longer. I actually, I, I feel healthy. It's a matter of integrity mm. uh, and yeah. their growth mentoring moments. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I think of where we are now, 28 years later, when we began, I'm just amazed because you are so different than, in a sense, your family of origin, <laughs> unrecognizable again. And I think I am as well for my siblings. And, you know, we meet with our siblings all the time and we love them to death, uh, but we've come a long way. Yeah. And I grew up in a family where differences were not respected. We We didn't. We weren't, we didn't learn as kids growing up, how to, the seven of us didn't know how to navigate our differences. And so there's a lot of fighting, conflict, you know, hurtful words. Mm. Um, and so I came into adulthood and leadership fearing disagreement. 
Because when there was disagreement in my home, kind of, you know, my parents, their tempers would flare or my father would give my mother the silent treatment or there'd be yelling. And so I saw differences as threatening. Mm. And so part of my, a big part of my leadership growth was I don't have to be afraid of differences and that differences are good. And we have to learn how to respect them and navigate them. That's great. And so uh, this is, we realized this is a core discipleship issue and we'd never gotten discipled in it. In our leadership development all those years, no one ever mentored us in how to do conflict and tensions. And so we taught scripture. I preached sermons on resolving conflicts from the Bible, Matthew 18, 15, mm-hmm. et cetera. But no one actually helped us how to do it. And so we resolved over, you know, once we got into this journey, we needed to disciple people and our leaders on how to do a clean fight. And so uh, in some ways, every one of us in leadership and all of you listening, regardless of whether you're in the marketplace or a church or in a family, we reparent people on how to do conflict because people come into our teams, into our churches, into our communities, into our workplaces, and they do conflict the way their families of origin did it. Everybody. And so unless there's leadership and mentoring and discipling, that's not going to change. That's why we have people who do conflict, who are in the church 20, 30, 40 years, and they do conflict like they're 10 years old. And this is not the first skill we teach, right? That We, this is, we don't just say, okay, let's sit down, let me teach you this. I want to emphasize how foundational the previous skills are to get to this one. This one will be much easier. It'll be almost yes, natural, natural. It's true. If you have done the, the previous skills. ones, especially like clear explore the iceberg, because you have to know what's going on inside of you. And incarnational listening. It's true. I don't know if we mentioned it last week or two 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 uh, Podcast podcasts ago, but lis- listening can solve 75% of, of a conflict. Like just listening many times resolves the difference listening, yeah. you know, getting in the other person's shoes, getting in each other's shoes and listening and, and feeling felt. But there, and so if you have that, we, Pete and I, we practice those for a long time and internalized them and it made this much more oh, doable. Yes. So again, I want to give that commercial. You want to go to whether it's Christian books or Amazon or our website at emotionallyhealthy.org slash store pick up the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course, begin to work through the videos they're going to show you. You'll see models, the workbook, the day-by-day book. Get that participant's packet and begin to work through the course. I promise you, life-changing. Again, the videos are free once you get that workbook and stuff. So let's do, Jerry, let's do a clean fight right now. Let's model it. Um, and why don't you model, why don't we model an old one we used to model years ago about the cell phone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we'll teach them the skill briefly and then we'll go into leadership applications. All right. How's that sound? Sure. Um, yeah, that's fine. I just got to refresh my, uh, get your brain around yeah, yeah, me yeah. coming in the house, talking right. on the cell phone. Right. We can't do the whole skill. So we got to do, no, we'll so, do an abbreviated version. Here. Right. And so again, this issue that I'm going to share with Pete, um, I had done with him in incarnational listening and it, it resolved a lot, lot. but uh, incarnational listening doesn't always resolve something. It always doesn't bring closure to something. And that's why there's a kind of this next step in the clean fight that actually has you 
asking for something very specific. In incarnational listening, you're being sought to be felt, to be understood. But in clean fight, you're actually making a request for a behavior change. So, okay. So, Pete, would you be willing to do a clean fight with me? Absolutely, honey. Okay. So, honey, I notice that um, most of the time that you arrive home um, from work, long day at church or whatever, you would come in our front door still talking on the phone. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, you've observed that when I often come home from wherever I'm at, mm-hmm. work, church, that I'm on the phone talking as I walk in the house. Yes. And um, this issue is important to me because I value a boundary between work and home. Okay. And the reason this is so important to you is because of your value of a, a separation between work and home. Yes, that like when you're at work, you're present there. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're home, you're present here. Got it. When I'm at work, I'm working, present there. When mm-hmm. I'm home, I walk in that door, I'm with you and our family. I'm present. Yes. And when you walk in the phone, um, excuse me, when you walk in the house and you're still on the phone and it's an extension, it's like just an, you're just, you're still working, but there's this sort of crazy making in my mind going on because he's home, but he's not home. Okay. So when I walk in talking to someone else, uh, it's crazy making to you because I'm really not home yet, but I'm home physically, but I'm not really there emotionally. Right. And so when that happens, I feel taken for granted. Okay. Mm. So when that happens, mm-hmm. you feel taken for granted. Mm-hmm. I feel a distant second to your work. You feel a distant second to work. Right. Mm. I mean, initially I feel angry. I didn't say that, but really underneath that is it's hurt. It's, yeah. it's hurt. I feel hurt when that happens because, um, I, I, again, I value the boundary of, and, and, and the value of presence of, and our connection when you come home. Okay. So how do you feel hurt? Mm-hmm. Because you so value our connection when I come home. Yeah. And um, yes, so, okay. So what I'd like to, my my request is that you, before you pull in the driveway (laughs) to our house, maybe even before you turn the corner down our block, that you'd actually finish your, any conversation that is still work related. That's what I would like to ask. Before you, as you turn the block, as you, as you turn the block that you would finish you'd be finished a conversation from church mm. not even because even because there's been many times where i've seen you sitting outside <laughs> still on the phone in front of our house yes so your request is that before i turn on to 215th place mm-hmm. i would finish my phone call yeah and so that when i get into that driveway 
I'm not on the phone. I'm here. Yeah. So that also gives you time to emotionally, you know, make that trans, uh, sometimes, you know, to make that transition from wherever your presence has been to now presence at home. Okay. So I make the transition. So for your sake, that I make the transition from work to home, being present here, not there with other people. Amen. And amen. Okay, good. Okay. All right. Thank you. So now you're going to consider so the I request? Would, so now the way the skill works, okay, as a listener, I consider it. Um, honey, I really appreciate that. Uh, as you know, my dad was never present. He was on the, you know, he had a cell phone in his day, but he worked as he came in the door and he sat down at work and like we weren't even there. Mm-hmm. So it's in my bones for sure. And uh, I, but I really appreciate that it's important to you. So I will. I'm going, I would like to try and I want to do it. Um, so yes, I can do it. However, I'd like to ask that if I forget or I don't do it right away, mm-hmm. I'm, on the, I'm in the driveway talking to someone sitting in the car or even I forget, I'm in, I walk in the door. Mm-hmm. I would just ask that you wouldn't give me your wrath or anger but you might say, "Hey, honey, you know, give me a little bit of grace to get started because this, this is a this is a gigantic change for me. Mm-hmm. My whole life, mm-hmm. again, Grandpa's in my bones, Jesus mm-hmm. in my heart. But I love you, and I want you to feel loved by me, not just know it intellectually. So I'd like to do it, but I'm I know myself well enough to know that this may be a bit of a journey uh, for me. So would you be willing to uh, give me some grace and maybe?" Yeah. So what would be helpful for me to say if you forget and you walk in the house? Like what would be a gentle reminder for you? Honey, and just go like this with the phone. Like, oh, okay. the phone. And I'll be, oh, got it. All right. And even if I'm on the driveway and, and, I, and I walk in, just go, honey, that's it. Because I know you saw me. It's good. Okay. Versus I'm hiding. <laughs> I'm knocking on the window yeah, of the car. Like, just, I, you know, be gracious. Give me some room to grow but i, I really want to do it honey. okay so Please. your request your your, your uh, the, amendment your amendment that you're asking for is that if it happens i would give you a gentle reminder by just going honey yeah okay good i can do that great all right honey we're set great thank yeah. you very much thank you all right all right so that gave you a little sample so the skill goes like this it's actually a skill we spent some years and jerry in particular years trying to make it simple Succinct, succinct and simple, even though it's difficult to do in the moment. And so it begins with the speaker stating the problem. You know, I notice mm. we give sentence stems. Jerry did that. I notice you talk on the phone, then states why it's important to you. I value this be- and then explain why. And then the sentence next sentence them is I when you I feel right. because. And so she did that as well. And then she stated very clearly, specifically, uh, and respectfully her request. And then I had a chance to listen to respond, which I did. We went back and forth. Right. Make an amendment. Make an amendment. And need be right. The listener, you know, the, I'm getting to ask for what I, I would like. Doesn't mean he's going to automatically do it. So this, the issue it, on this, on the, on the speaker. So I'm the one who asked for the clean fight and one of the most transformational things yes. that I realized about this skill is that the issue is about me. 
It's about, it's not about Pete. He's not a bad person because he uh, walks in the house on the phone. And um, because if I was married to somebody else, right, they would maybe they don't care. That's right. He could be married to someone else who it wouldn't bother them at all if he walked in the house on the phone. But it bothers me. And so that's why the issue is about me. And the reason we emphasize this is because most of the time when we have an issue with somebody, we think they're the issue. Yes. And not necessarily. I mean, usually you're the issue because. You just want it. You prefer. You have a different preference. Exactly. You, you have. There's a difference there, and you're asking for, you know, something that you want. Yeah. Again, there's more a little bit more to the skill, yes, but you get yes. the, you get the good gist here right. of how it functions. Right. And uh, and so for me, it would apply to something as simple as someone showing up late for a staff meeting, and maybe they came to a different time of team. It didn't matter if they came late. This, the other the other leader didn't mind, but for me, it did matter. If we started at one o'clock and the person shows up at one ten. It really bothered me. And so I got clear about, oh, I for me, this is important. It's a value for me. And so I could articulate it. So that yeah. principle is really important for oh. you. But for me, and I think as yeah. leaders, especially in this, and just, well, this is a, a marriage relationship, very freeing. Oh, to, to go into the conversation of the clean fight without blaming. It's, I'm not blaming him because I'm recognizing this is about me. All I can say is my whole life, I grew up in a family of seven kids where you're blaming each other. Yes. But now all this, this is so transformational for me because I'm just, I'm taking responsibility for the issue because I know it's about me. And that is a hugely, that's a, that's a mature adult thing to do. That's an emotionally mature adult thing that's to great. do. All right, hon, let's make, let's, let's, I got these four applications okay. for leadership. Let's go by them one by one. Let's not get crazy. Each one is worth an hour. But uh, first one is this uh, for leaders, all of us listening, that we model and teach. We want to be models and teachers of what it means to love uh, our enemies, love in difficult conflicts, uh, that this is the mark of mature spirituality. That, that that's a gigantic paradigm shift that us growing and maturing in this is when Jesus talks about love your enemies, be kind to the ungrateful and the wicked for God's merciful, all those commandments of loving. This is in some ways that the rubber is hitting the road and that this is mature spirituality. And by for leaders, we model it and we actually teach it to other people. And when we talk about enemies, um, you know, there's a spectrum yeah. of enemies and, mm. you know, we're, but for many of us, just anybody who disagrees with us becomes, becomes an, an enemy. enemy. <laughs> so, and that's really what this kind of skill is being applied to, because this skill is not for, for big, ongoing, longstanding conflicts where, you know, like, you know, people are about to get divorced or churches are going to split, or this is, this is a stepping stone skill to just even begin to learn to take issue, take responsibility for an issue yourself and respect differences. So when we talk, it is though, I mean, that's huge. It's gigantic. Respecting differences is a huge step towards loving your enemy. So, so, when we, work, when we are working with leaders and, and discipling folks, we know that mature spirituality, maturity in Jesus, this is a core uh, marker for that. And that's why this is so critically important that we begin to disciple and train leaders and people that we're discipling in this skill. So that's number one. And again, I, I look at it as an application of Jesus 
of the of the with the Pharisees and Sadducees who didn't care about loving their enemies and being merciful. They just wanted to be into love with Jesus. And I meet lots of folks today, leaders, pastors. Yeah, I'm growing and loving Jesus, but my relationships, I got a lot of unresolved stuff going on here. And for me, this skill uh, and this kind of stuff we're talking about here is bridging that gap that we actually are like Jesus and making love central to our marker. Well, yeah, well, we you, have, you now have a tool to know how to approach someone um, where you're experiencing, you know, differences. Great. Okay. Second leadership application is that conflict is a place of revelation and transformation, both mm-hmm. for us and those we're leading. And I'll give you a biblical text for it. It's such a wonderful text out of Genesis 32, uh, 22 and following when Jacob and Esau are in the middle of a big conflict. Jacob is moving towards Esau. It's 25 years of broken relationship and God comes to him. And he meets the living God. He meets the living Jesus. His his hip is dislocated, uh, but he has an encounter with God. And in the same way, there are, uh, we can speak from experience, both personally and working with other people, conflict is a place of revelation. We meet God in all new ways, and it's a place of deep transformation for us and everybody we lead. So um, it's holy ground. Mm. It's holy ground. So why don't we mention a couple of things like Right. There's a lot of revelation, personal revelation personally when you're, you know, in conflict because you you're forced again, if you've been going through these skills progressively, then you're forced to do some inner work of what's going on inside of you. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Where are my faulty assumptions? What does my reaction teach me about me? There's a lot of revelation. There is. I mean, one grows in differentiation. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Who am I not? How's God uniquely made me? Yes. Uh, we grow in things like uh, disrupting false peace. Mm. We became, mm. we realized that, oh, so much of our work is about integrity, that we're actually living what we're preaching, that we're not living a false peace, but we're actually living in true kingdom peace. And I get Jesus came alive. I know for me of realizing, oh my gosh, Jesus dealt with so much tension and conflict. I know, but then why do we only see blessed are the peacemakers? <laughs> We just, we just, we, we, we misinterpret that verse mm-hmm. because if you read the Beatitudes right after blessed are the peacemakers, it goes, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness when people revile you. And remember Jesus said, I came to bring not peace, but a sword division. And we see Jesus. I, I mean, for me, scripture got opened up about, oh, wow, Jesus had so much conflict, but he disrupted false peace mm-hmm. for true peace. And mm-hmm. so it's such a place of, of, of revelation. I, and I made a list here as I was preparing, honey boy, you were getting ready to come upstairs of like, my goodness, some of my worst, most painful conflicts, and I've listed three of them over my many years of leading, were such places of transformation for me. I had to wrestle with hatred, bitterness, mm. my motives. Oh, I just, and, and you, these are, I'm talking about conflicts that didn't get resolved for a long time. Mm. And, but yet I wouldn't trade them for anything. They were dark nights, but they were seasons where I grew to understand the crucifixion in ways that I never understood it before. Scripture opened up to me, especially with Jesus going to the cross, being misunderstood, and learning to forgive. As I've been forgiven, I it, it put feet on so much that would have just been head stuff, head yeah. knowledge. For me. And even recently, I've seen you using this skill to lead out of your integrity. Like you know, something has not been right over here or over there, yes. and you, you're speaking into that situation or that person's life 
by saying, "Hey, this this val this is this value is important to me," yeah. and da, 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 and you're you're making a request, but that takes I did it takes yeah. differentiation, maturity. I did it twice this past week with two people mm -hmm. that it was important. It wasn't they were they were they were we'll call it fight, clean fighting light. It was light, but it was enough to it needed to be done. It took differentiation. It and it was great. Great for them, especially. It was wonderful. Our third application is that really dif difficult conflicts are in the present are rooted in the past. And that mm. it's important to remember that we have a genogram. We have triggers and vulnerabilities based on our histories around conflict, anger, etc. And so do the other people. And so uh, that is a gigantic leadership truth not just for ourselves, but then people we're leading as we're helping them learn to do clean fighting versus dirty fighting. Mm -hmm. And we're training them. So uh, that's why, again, Genogram obviously is so important. And that's why there's the work involved to sort out. Am I, am I um, being triggered here? Or is there a value of mine that's been violated? I mean, yes. there's a lot of inner work that, you know, thought reflection that has to take place. So I had somebody, uh, just yesterday who works for me. So now they have power differential. I'm double their age. I'm older. They work for me. They're younger, different culture. Uh, his culture is honor, uh, honor culture, uh, honor, shame culture. So tremendous respect for authority. And he came to me with uh, very respectfully, basically saying no to something, some things I was asking him to do. And uh, it was, it was incredibly courageous for him to do that. It was like, and I know his history, uh, and uh, I know he loves me, but I know what it took for him, the amount of time and energy to write that email. He talked to me about it first, and he wrote the email. It was very beautiful, uh, and I was so happy. And I was able to enter his world because I, you know, I know his triggers. I know his genogram. Mm. And then, of course, I, I was aware of my own power mm. uh, as a person older than him. And, uh, we had a great conversation, but it was, it was a, an example of a negotiation negotiation that was very life giving. We didn't solve it all today in our one hour meeting, but it was just a great meeting. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I was aware of my genogram, his genogram, our histories, our triggers. And, uh, it, it was beautiful. Yeah. And you have done enough work yourself that, um, the power, the power differential, you, 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 you know, the, you don't lord it over people at all. Yeah. You, you respect, you know, um, you respect authority, you respect people under you. Um, and so, yeah, people can come to you that you supervise and speak truth to you. And, and then that's that's work that you've had to do yes. because many times power over doesn't uh, receive, allow, doesn't yes. receive and doesn't allow yeah. that to happen. That's true. Sure. All right, honey. And last application is that not every conflict this side, not every conflict gets resolved this side of heaven, mm -hmm. and that is a mm -hmm. important truth, leadership truth to remember, painful one. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I don't know what to say about it. But it's true. Well, I mean, you partially can't... resolved, or yeah, yeah. I mean, you can only only do in as much as your part can do, and sometimes it it could take. Years. years again this this is meant for smaller things for because people haven't even practiced yeah. how to navigate differences in smaller things yeah. um but yes um you know again 
there's a spectrum of what conflict looks like, but this is a great tremendous tool beginning tool so let's encourage you again we, you know as, as we conclude this kind of a series on the uh emotionally mm. healthy relationships yes uh please uh get that uh emotionally healthy relationships uh participants pack again whether it's our website amazon christian book and or you want to download two sessions for free and get a taste of what this relationships course is all about and go to emotionally.org slash preview we just want to promise you it's life changing. I mean, I can't imagine, I just can't imagine uh, where we would be, our leadership, the ministries we've led. Unimaginable. It's unimaginable. And it's a secret sauce, you know, to living out. So did we, in our very first podcast of the skills, talk about getting on the bike? It's like riding a bike. No, go ahead. Why don't you just, I'll close well, with that. Yeah, I do. I mean, the skills for me are very similar to how uh, you learn to ride a bike. Mm. And you can only learn to ride a bike by getting on it and riding it. Mm. So you, you can't learn to ride a bike by reading about it in a book, by um, watching a bunch of slides, uh, by somebody getting up there and sh modeling how to ride a bike. You're still not, not going to know how to ride a bike until you get on it. So the, the temptation might wow. be with these skills that you just open the workbook and you kind of read through it. You know, it's an intellectual yeah. thing. This is not an intellectual thing. These skills must be experienced mm. in order for you to internalize them. So we want to encourage you to get on the, the bike. Do get a partner and uh, and um Get do each skill bike. and practice. You know, you have to, you start out with training wheels on the bike. And that's what those beginning skills are. They're training wheels for learning how to love your neighbor and love yourself and love God. And then as you progress, we take the training wheels off and um, hopefully you'll be flying down the street sort of by the end, but it it's practice, practice, practice. And so I mean, that, there's there's no substitute for practice. I mean, CTR, that, Pete and I practiced probably for several months, um, even while we still learn, you know, we'd learn the new skill, but we're, we'd we'll learn the second skill, but still practicing the first skill. Because you, the goal is you don't need the training wheels. We want our goal and prayer for you is you will become love. God is love. And our communities will be counter-cultural, radical places of the love of Jesus for the sake of long-term mission in the world, we'll be a gift to the world, mm -hmm. but it's got to start with us, our teams, our ministries we lead. Uh, but this is the hard work of discipleship, mm -hmm. deep transformation. But friends, all we can tell you is it's a wonderful way to live. It's mm -hmm. tremendous on multiple levels. Yeah. Uh, and by God's grace, uh, you will have a greater experience of the love of God for yourself and the glory of God as well. So thank you so much. It's been great to be with you. Honey, thank you. And we want to give us a special shout out to um, you know we to, to Lynette and Terrence. We met Lynette and Terrence last Sunday, and they are a couple that in the last couple of years have discovered the skills and have begun to internalize it themselves in their marriage, bringing it to their six children, to their extended family, to the in-laws. And, and their leaders in their church as well. And their leaders in their Doing church. Doing the course, their table and, leaders. And I mean, we were just thrilled um, at how they have 
taken to the skills and learning them, practicing them, and then using them. And they're seeing big changes in their family. And so again, to all the Lynette and Terrences out there, we want to say, go for it. We are cheering you on and you can change not only yourself, your marriage, your church, the church culture, but generations. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. Great to be with you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. 